When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the British Royal Fanatic Podcast. I'm Hayden, your American friend with a passion for British royal history. Hi, friends. It's been about two weeks, and that was on accident, and I'm sorry. The little break two-week pause was something completely accidental and on me and for my own management As I've already said, I'm in doctoral school right now. I'm getting my Doctor of Art in Clarinet Performance and Music Theory with a slight emphasis in music history. And I had a lecture recital that finally went off and happened on Monday of this this week. And it didn't necessarily go as how I wanted to be. It wasn't the best representation of my work as a researcher and as a scholar. It overall just wasn't cute, and I needed to prioritize and just get through that, and it almost caused me to have a complete total nervous breakdown. So we're back. That's done. I did some self-care. We're good. We've regrouped, and we've sort of altered today's topic. I had something I wanted to do, but then this seemed to be something more interesting to talk about, but in the meantime... Before we get into today's topic, if you want to support the podcast and get updates and also recommend topics for future episodes, we're approaching October and we're approaching spooky season and there's a lot of fun ghost stories and weird scary stories with royal history that we can delve into. I have some things planned, but if you want to recommend some fun scary stories, head over to the official email, which is BritishRoyalFanPod at gmail.com. Recommend topics for future episodes. And yeah, get ready for October. Get ready for spooky season. Also, if you saw on Twitter, at the end of today's topic, I will be discussing the new extended trailer for the upcoming film Spencer that comes out November 5th. Get ready, but we're going to get through today's topic because this kind of relates a little bit. Kind of, not really. We'll find a way to tie it all in together. But you've seen the title for today's episode, The Royals in Media. So the royals have a weird relationship with the media. And of course, there's a media obsession. There's a general public obsession with the royals. And where did it come from? Why are we so obsessed? Why is why is this so important? And it's something that's sort of always been a thing, as long as there's been some form of print media. There's political cartoons from the Regency and from the reign of George III and Queen Charlotte when they're being really critical. There's political cartoons and commentary from Queen Victoria. There's always seems to be, as long as there's been some form of media, there's always been some media obsession, critique, and opinions about the royals expressed in media. Everybody always seems to have an opinion. Everybody always has a um, a critique or something to say. And over here in America, we have a... <laughs> I say as an American obsessed with the royal family. We have a weird relationship with the royals. Our print media loves to only focus on the queen 
Prince Charles and Camilla and uh, Prince William and Catherine and Prince Harry and Meghan. That's sort of the main core focuses on. Whenever something happens with Princess Eugenie or Princess Beatrice or um, the Earl and Countess of Wessex or the Princess Royal, if it's big enough, like a royal baby or an interview, maybe a birthday, if there's a big special being run for something monumental, like when the Princess Royal turned 70... Then they'll run something over here, especially when uh, Prince Philip died. There was a significant amount of media coverage and sort of memorial magazines you could buy. But over here, they really try to stick to that core. That's sort of where a lot of the drama that Americans are interested in. And there's a lot of incredibly unreliable tabloid sources that love to make up stories And there's two that I always remember that stuck out to me. There was one, they both were when I was in high school. And one was apparently Catherine was trying to usurp both Prince William, Prince uh, Prince Charles, and the Queen and pronounce herself Queen and, uh, you know, Queen Regnant and take over as head of state and their whole plot in order for her to do so had been leaked to this news source. And they had the most poorly photoshopped picture of Catherine's face on top of one of the Queen's official coronation portraits. Like, the resolutions between the the portrait and the Catherine's face cutout were pol- polar opposites, and it was such hard. You, it looked as if somebody who has no Photoshop experience actually photoshopped this and it just looked really bad. And the other one that still sticks out to me of American media's obsession with the Royals is apparently Princess Diana survived her car crash all those years ago, got experimental state of the art plastic surgery on her face to change how she looked, took all her money and is now living out her life in Colorado And the whole conspiracy theory proving that point was in this same tabloid magazine. And I remember at work when I was working at Kroger as a high schooler, just staring at it going, what, what is this? This, no, no, this doesn't, why are we spreading this, this misinformation? But that's something that, that happens. The media always has a viewpoint, whether it's positive, negative, uh, very either a very just critique or a weird critique media ch- being very selective about how they choose to report on things and their scope on how they're reporting it and the media is being very critical of the royals right now it, there's a lot of scandal going on in the royal family just to name a few that we are going to talk about uh later in the episode There's the scandal with Prince Andrew. There's a current scandal still going on with Prince Charles. There's some weird scandal or they're trying to make something out of it about the Duchess of Cambridge. Uh, The Duchess of Sussex's father was in the news for a whole myriad of reasons again, trying to bring down the royal family. And Prince William's affairs being talked about again. And a lot of other uh, royal commentary channels, such as myself, are still talking about 
the polar opposite relationship with the media with Prince William and Catherine and the, uh, Prince Harry and Meghan, sort of their press relationships and how it seems very unjustly balanced. But the media is obsessed with the royals. The media loves cr- uh, critiquing them. We as people love reading about them. And we also love critiquing them as well. In fact, a lot of thoughts about abolishing the monarchy are coming back again. We're seeing this resurgence again of people being incredibly critical of the monarchy to where they want to abolish it and uh, countries leaving the Commonwealth and officially becoming independent, having their own head of state. And it's it's right now it's a very precarious time for the royal family and the media is really fueling this fire. So let's sort of break down the media's relationship with the royals. So it's it's either one of two ways, either the media loves them or the media hates them. And when we think about royals and media, who do we think of? What do we think of? When I think of the royals in media, I think of scenes with Princess Diana and all those tabloids there, people trying to photograph her and follow her everywhere. We see this coverage in documentaries. We've seen, of course, the pictures and scandal with the Duchess of York when uh, Catherine was uh, nicknamed Wady Katie and all that happening and everything happening with Meghan. That's really what comes to mind when I think about the royals in media, the unrelenting photographers wanting every angle, everything about them. And now in the day and age of social media, things get shared instantly. So there's even more press coverage there because it can be shared so fast. But where does this fascination come from with the royals, both not necessarily media fueled, but why are we so obsessed with them? Well, I can say in America, why we're so obsessed with them. One is because it's something we don't have. We don't have a royal family in that regard. We left that. We, in, you know, in the 18th century with the American Revolutionary War, we left it. It is a form of government we didn't want. But because of that, you know, this idea of people being born into this privilege and these styles and titles and that they don't have to do anything extraordinary to be famous. They don't have to do anything out of the way to sort of build their wealth and build everything. It's all inherited. That's something that we don't really have here to that high of a degree. You know, that form of head of state and monarch, we got rid of it. We don't have it, but it's still that matter of, oh, we still like learning about it. But one thing we can trace it back to is fairy tales. Fairy, as, as young children, we are fed, and there's psychologists have studied this. I'm merely summarizing what I have read. But we, as infants, as children, were presented, you know, the stories in films of Disney, where it's these, you know, royal stories, especially you know, Sleeping Beauty, Cinderella, Snow White, you know, the Brothers Grimm fairy tales, we are always presented this fairy tale story of a prince finding his princess or a princess being in need, a king and queen, and it's always some form of royalty that's at the center of all these fairy tales. And we, as young people, are inundated with these stories. And thus this fascination and this idea of this perfect romanticized, oh, this is what, you know, being royal means, these heroic stories, we're presented to that at a very young age, and it's just some form of conditioning that we experience. And so now as adults, 
much like celebrity culture, we have things that we're interested in. We have, you know, movie stars, action stars that we're interested in that we want to follow. Same thing with royals. We have this already in our minds what we think it means to be a royal. And especially now with documentaries that have come out and seeing a little bit of the other side of the coin, we still have this idea of what it means. And it's a lot from these fairy tales. And already we're, we're, we're planted with this idea of what it means. But then there's also this parasocial behavior that is presented where we believe we know these people, but they don't know us. And so we live vicariously through them. We see these events, state banquets, royal tours, opening here, going there, and especially if a royal is really identifies with certain causes that resonates with you, we live vicariously through them. It's something we don't have, and it's a, it's a lifestyle that we idolize. It's, you know, as all the way from childhood reading fairy tales about, you know, fairy tale princes and princesses to now there's places in the world where princes and princesses actually exist. Oh my goodness, I want to know about this. I want to follow it. And then you see what they're doing, and then we be, the obsession begins and it's something that we're curious about and especially that they don't naturally have to do anything to have this form of celebrity you know much like an actor has to have their big break in a film and then everybody knows their name no royals are already born into this position of privilege they inherit it and so they don't have to do anything out of the ordinary to be extraordinary So that is something that psychologists have studied, this obsession, this parasocial relationship where we are just inundated and conditioned through our own media, whether it's stories, movies, art of fairy tales, princes and princesses, and we have this romanticized idea. Then we see them in real life, we identify with them, we relate to them and their causes that they're doing, and then we have this one-sided relationship where we want to know everything about them. We think we know them, but they know nothing about us. But the media really leans into this, both traditional paper media and print media. And as we all know, media is skewed in its own way. Some are more liberal, some are more conservative, some try to stay in the middle to just try to present the facts. But there is this sort of royal rota, this royal core that was talked about in a YouTube video that I watched about this. Uh, you know, why are the uh, royal media so obsessed with the royals by um, by YouTube channel Terra Munki? But it's this sort of royal rota where they are, um, where the media, certain media outlets, I, some of them were like the Daily Mirror, Evening Standard, that are invited to these royal events that can report on them in any way, shape, or form. They're close to the royals, and in many ways, they get the story, they report it, and then they can skew it whichever way they want. The big thing of the media, they sell, their jobber is to sell stories, to sell clicks, to get people to read things, to open things up, and they know this fascination that, you know, wow, the British monarchies lasted for thousands of years, well, a thousand years, how is it still a thing? How is it still existing? People, and thus we're curious about it. It's deep-seated in fairy tales, some ideas that we have where, you know, this idea of heroism, this fantasy world, it's also something consistent. It's something consistent always in the background and we don't have to think about it. It's it's a consistent rock that's always there. So what does the media do? They report on it. And as I'd said previously, I kind of got a little off topic here, but 
then there's the Royal Rota, the media outlets that are invited to certain events to report on it, and it's something that the Royals do to control the narrative. They let certain newspapers in that either like them or ones that they know that are critical of them, but they at least have a good relationship with them, and they get invited in, and it's a way of safety and security for them. They know who's going to be there. But that's the big thing. The media knows that there's this obsession, and they prey on it. And especially in the world of social media, where get things out fast, get things out now, and not necessarily caring too much about the facts. As long as people click on it, sensational headlines get clicks. You know, there's the old saying, all press is good press, but in some cases, no, it's actually kind of damaging. And this is where we get the ideas of the royal rift between brothers and the duchesses feuding. And whether or not there's some truth to it is beyond the point. The point is, is that that whole situation, in my opinion, got blown so far out of proportion than I think what any member of the royal family were anticipating when it when those headlines became a thing. But the media has always been obsessed with the royals and critiquing them. There's evidence of political cartoons dating all the way back to the rule and reign of King George III and Queen Charlotte. There's political cartoons from the time of Queen Victoria. There's, of course, the political pamphlets and manifestos that we have records of all the time from multiple periods of history. But it's evidence of people having opinions. They print it, people read it, and it either stokes the fire or it puts it out. So so I've explained where this obsession comes from and we're inundated from, from it from a young age. And the media knows this. And so they lean into the parasocial relationship because they know it sells. It sells papers, it gets clicks, it gets people to read things, and that's how they generate their money. And they really prey on this. And we can see a lot of this... You know, skewing of things in when you look back. You know, the media really loved when Princess Diana was alive. They really had her side. And, the, you know, Prince Charles, I don't think really has ever recovered in the eyes of the press. <laughs> they seem to really be incredibly hypercritical of him still, which is fine. Uh, but there's the disparity between Catherine and Meghan. That's the big talk right now in the world is the the disparity in press coverage between the Duchess of Cambridge and the Duchess of Sussex, where it seemed like Prince Harry and Meghan got all the negativity when the the biggest example is when the Duchess of Sussex was pregnant with little Archie and she would be on public and she'd rest her arms on her uh, pregnant belly, hold her belly and do all of that as one who's pregnant would just do. And there's starking differences in headlines between the Duchess of Cambridge and the Duchess of Sussex, where the Duchess of Cambridge was holding her belly and doing all of that, and she was praised, oh my goodness, motherhood, look at her, this is fantastic, and the Duchess of Sussex doing the same thing and getting reamed over the coals, you know, what is her scope here, she's, this is, this is grotesque, why is she doing this, blah, 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 and that's one thing that really ups- upsets a lot of people, and it's something that I noticed too, and I don't necessarily like, if I'm to be honest, this disparity between one member of the other. And just in general, I think the, the women in the royal family get a lot more flack in the media than the men do. But I digress, I digress. So in a nutshell, that's where this obsession with the royals just in general comes from. We have this presentation in media, the that preys on this pre-existing obsession through fairy tales 
the heroism that gets skewed in fairy tales, the constant and predictability nature of them that in some ways gives people comfort because it's just back there, we know it's there in our crazy hectic lives, and the parasocial relationship of I think I know this person because I really like them and I want to read all about them and the various stages of that from, you know, passing obsession to, oh my goodness, I want to know everything about them. But what are some headlines right now? So the big thing that's happening right now in the royal family, in the media, that is kind of scary is uh, the first story in the media we're going to talk about is that of Prince Andrew, which is something that I've been meaning to talk about, but I didn't necessarily know the best way to present it because it is very much a bad scandal. But what's going on with Prince Andrew that we know of concretely? Well, the Prince Andrew scandal relates back to Jeffrey Epstein and his sexual allegations and the assault and everything tied up with Jeffrey Epstein. But how does this relate to Prince Andrew? Well, there are photographs that have surfaced of Prince Andrew with Jeffrey Epstein and uh, one woman in particular. And she came out a few years ago and accused Prince Andrew of sexual assault and brought forth her own evidence and the royal family has been sort of hiding him and protecting him in some way shape or form not giving him over to the American authorities and they've been trying for years they've been there have been calls and subpoenas for Prince Andrew but he's been able to hide back and be behind the royal curtain and you know he he's for now retired from public life his personal own personal social media he just has an instagram page that he would post stuff it's still there but the only updated post is from the official communication the last post that says he i'm retiring from public duties until further notice and all you can't comment on anything anymore and i I side with the viewpoint of thinking that the royals gave the media Prince Harry and and Meghan as a way to deflect attention away from Andrew. There's whispers that Prince Andrew is the Queen's favorite, so as a result, she's doing everything she can to protect him. I don't necessarily know how much water that holds, but I do feel that there was some sway behind the scenes in the institution, not the firm, the institution in the offices there that talked with the media, said, okay, here's them for this, just don't talk about this. But that's the big history of all of it, that the sexual assault and rape allegations against Prince Andrew, well, there's been an update. And in early September, uh, lawyers went to the residence of the Duke of York to issue formal papers. And once you get issued papers, then the countdown starts. Once you, you know... You've been issued these papers, you've been summoned, you've been serviced, and now you have to do something about it. Well, the lawyers for the victim's team went to present Prince Andrew with papers, and they were unsuccessful. They gave him to his bodyguards and his team, and to the lawyers, that was enough. Your team, there you go. We we tried to give you papers, that's the best that we can do. And Prince Andrew's team argued back, no, 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 no. They weren't formally given to Prince Andrew. It doesn't count. 
well, why are you hiding in blah, 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 blah. Well, finally, Prince Andrew has agreed. Okay, fine. I'll go to court. I believe it's a civil court, civil case. And he's finally agreed to go to court. They've been trying to serve him since 2019. While Buckingham Palace and the Duke of York's personal uh, media team have been denying allegations, this has been a PR nightmare for the royal family. Multiple people on both sides of the pond are saying, you know, let him go over there. You know, he needs to go and, you know, be held accountable. He did that tragic interview in 2019 that you can tell he hoped that it would fix his reputation, but it did everything but. <laughs> it's just been, it's the Prince the Prince Andrew Epstein rape scandal. It hasn't gone away as much as to the chagrin of the Duke of York and the Buckingham Palace press office. But early September, he was served with papers, and as of September 21st, he, the, him himself, I think he has received those, the, those, those papers, and now the clock is ticking. He has 21 days to respond, according to the Daily Mail. He, when he agreed, he was looking for a reasonable extension to properly respond, but he went on record saying, quote, it's been inevitable, I just need to do it. Um, he is going. He is going to court, but he's apparently going to fight tooth and nail to try to clear up his name. He wants to go point by point, case by case by case, grievance by grievance, to prove him to prove himself innocent and clear up his name and try to save his reputation because it's something that he's been trying to do for years now. The second preliminary hearing is set to take place on October thirteenth, and that is all we know. But. The more we know about the Prince Andrew scandal in the media, we will report on that. But that's the big story regarding Prince Andrew in the media. The He's finally going to court and being held accountable for his actions in the rape case. Another thing with Prince Andrew in all of that scandal is he got to keep his titles and style. And that is one thing that's been a thorn in everyone's side regarding Meghan and Harry. They had to leave the royal family when they just wanted to go from full-time to part-time. They had to, it was all or nothing for them and they lost their HRH. Well, again, they still have it, but they can only use it for formal ceremonial purposes. And Harry had to give up all his military titles. And just for wanting to leave work. Prince Andrew has been accused of rape, and apparently there's evidence to prove that point. I don't know the evidence. I'm just stating what has been presented in the media. And he's been able to keep his HRH, step away from royal work and all of his military titles, for something very serious. So that's another thing that the media is really leaning into. You know, why do they have to give up almost everything when they had to leave? But he got to leave and keep everything. What's going on here? The next big scandal that's really, really big is with Prince Charles. So he is in this alleged scandal of if you donate a significant amount to the prince's charity, you will get to see him and maybe he'll give you honors and titles and stuff. It's paying for titles, paying for honors. That's the big scandal right now. Clarence House and the Prince of Wales' official media team have denied it, and pe- but people have been coming forward saying, no, this happened, no, this happened. Here's some small proof, no, this happened. A quote was that um, this happened at least nine times, according to William Botrick, who is the alleged fixer at all these claims, who he is said to have received thousands of pounds to secure an honor for a Saudi billionaire who he was able to broker a personal thank you letter 
from Charles to a Russian donor. That's what the Sunday Times reported. So they tried to secure an honor for a Saudi billionaire, try to get a thank you letter from uh, to a Russian donor. The Prince's Foundation hasn't made any formal comment on this. Uh, Prince Charles has allegedly met with a Russian banker, a few men who have been a part of uh, a few money laundering schemes and other philanthropists. The allegations have prompted a full investigation into the Prince's Foundation, which has led to Michael Fawcett temporarily stepping down as chief executive. He Fawcett has fully supporting the investigation, and the chair of the Prince's Foundation, Douglas Connell, also resigned, uh, citing that there's been possible rogue activity and serious misconduct that he had apparently no knowledge of. Uh, essentially, what the what is happening is people, a uh, core group of people, they would donate a lot of money to the to the Prince's Foundation, and in return, they would get a private meeting with the Prince of Wales. They might get a personal thank you letter. Or in some cases, you might get honors and whatever titles he can get and possibly British citizenship for doing so. While there's records of some of these meetings happening, some people close to the prince have said, nope, these were never private. They were always, nope, this, nope, no, no, nope, this facts are getting misconstrued. And at the time of recording, there's that's all that we know is that investigations are taking place. People at the top of the food chain with the Princess Foundation have stepped down, and apparently this isn't the first time they stepped down, but Prince Charles in years past have rehired them. The Prince of Wales' team, Clarence House, Buckingham Palace, all those press offices are denying everything, much like with Prince Andrew, denying, 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 or just not commenting, no, no reporting on it, and in some cases, that isn't the best to do in situations like this. And these two scandals... Uh, paired together are things that the media isn't letting go and they're using a lot of the frustration and anger amongst the public to really fuel that fire and because of these two things and these scandals in this generation of royals is where a lot of people have a lot of anxiety is because it seems like it's just one scandal after another and there isn't any you know, it's too much celebrity, too much scandal, not enough work. And a lot of people are being very critical and thoughts of abolishing the monarchy have resurfaced. Um, another thing that made its way into the news in media that also, that the media leaned into heavily with this narrative is surrounding the will with the Duke of Edinburgh. So the reading of the Duke of Edinburgh's will has happened with the family and whatever it entails, they know and have done with whatever they need to do. But apparently, as with all royal wills, it is sealed. They tried to get it sealed for 125 years, but they were able to negotiate to get it to 90 years. So the royal will is sealed for 90 years, and this isn't anything new. Royal wills are sealed all the time. The wills for Princess Margaret and the Queen Mother are still sealed, which is why there's this one guy who claims to be the love child of Princess Margaret and Peter Townsend, and he's been trying to see Princess Margaret's will, but of course it's sealed, and it won't be opened during my lifetime. This is one thing that is nothing new, sealing of royal wills. It's, it is what it is, and... It's something that has happened and will always happen. It happened first with one of the children of Queen Victoria, and it's just been a thing ever since. The media really lean into, you know, how dare we, the public, not know? What is this? But those of us that know enough of royal history know, okay, this isn't anything new. Royal wills are sealed all the time. 
And, you know, during my lifetime, I doubt I'll ever know what was in the Duke of Edinburgh's will and his estate and what was who was given what and so on and so forth. But that was something small that made its way into the media that for days, at least on my dashboard and on my timelines and media feeds that I subscribe to, it was everywhere for a few days. How dare his will be sealed? But it's royal protocol. It's royal tradition. It's something that I've always been aware of and am not shocked by. So when I saw it, I just went, why why are we making a mountain out of a molehill here? The next story that the media is running rampant with, which is something that uh, the TikTok account, Mata, a fact that I've quoted a few times, had a little moment with it here of, you know, Catherine took a break for a while, as we know, the summer, especially in August, late July, August, and early September, or maybe all of September, that's when the royals are on vacation. That's when the royals officially step back from public work. That's also in times where, you know, the main social season and whatnot, they do what they need to do, and they take that time off. Engagements really come to a pause. They go up to Balmoral. They do X, 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 Y, Z, A, B, C, one, two, three. Well, the Duchess of Cambridge just wasn't seen for a while. You know, Prince William would be out doing this, go do that, but we really wouldn't see her. And a week ago, her brother got married, and while reports say she was there, there's no photographs of her. And we haven't seen her and William together. And so the media fabricated a story of their marriage is officially on the rock, she's leaving the royal family, they're getting divorced, this is it, this is the end of the Duchess of Cambridge, when, you know, yes, they live extraordinary lives in extraordinary circumstances, and in some cases, for me, especially me, yes, I know the history, but it's hard for me to comprehend at times. They're still people, and they have lives, whatever those lives may look like, you know, and it's when they traditionally have vacations, so who knows what she was doing, but I doubt it was getting divorced, and because of this, thoughts of Prince William's affair resurfaced again and people talking about his affair again, which that got squashed very, very quickly and hidden. And the last story, which is very not cute, is Thomas Markle, the Duchess of Sussex's father, did an interview with an Australian news channel, and they tried to pride themselves on, we're going to have him unfiltered, you know, we're going to really just let him go, and boy did he go, and he spun a yarn, and one of the things that he talked about was apparently he was trying to throw and ruin the the wedding, the the, the royal wedding. He's been trying to sue to see his grandkids, sue to see the Duchess. He's uh, coming out now saying, I tried to ruin the wedding. There's, I have people in the household that I was talking to that were going to ruin the wedding with me and ABC, one, two, three. And it was such a mess. And he went on enough of a diatribe that the next day, the Australian news source had to, when the Australian news, I believe Channel 7 possibly is what it was. Don't. Don't take that as bi- 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 biblical truth. I think it was Channel 7. They next day had to, or a few hours later, had to go apologize to to the public of, we said that we were going to have him unfiltered and ooh, we should have filtered him. We should have put a sock on him in certain cases and we let him spin too much. And we're sorry for any uncomfortableness that this happened, but... Now the media got word very briefly of the story of apparently Thomas Markle tried to ruin and I don't necessarily crash the wedding, but he just kept saying I was trying to ruin the wedding. And those are all the negative stories happening in the media that the media is really fueling. The media knows what they're doing with these stories and they're not letting them go. 
you know, clicks get, you know, clicks, bait titles, briefs, you know, selling these stories, not letting the public really move on. Not saying they need to move on, no. But that's sort of where we are right now with the media and the royals in media. We, we've been obsessed for a while. We've been obsessed since forever. I doubt this obsession will ever go away, but the media isn't helping anything right now. But it's also not their job to help. I'm just sort of spinning here right now. But that is insight into the media's relationship with the royals right now. The media's relationship with the royals is not very good. The the royals keep misstepping. The media keeps seeing things, and they keep reporting it and resharing it. And the public likes to talk about it, clearly. And now they're not letting it go. We have this obsession from childhood that the media is clearly aware of this obsession, this parasocial relationship, and they lean into it and they give us what we think we want. But that's what's going on right now with the Royals in terms of negative news. But we have some positive news. Uh, There is a new documentary that has come out uh, with members of the royal family talking and remembering the late Duke of Edinburgh. I've seen clips of it, and here in America, I know I can watch it on YouTube, but I believe over in England you can watch it on uh, television, on BBC. The clips that I have seen, it's really heartfelt. It's very well done. And it's a wonderful tribute to the Duke of Edinburgh. There's interviews from their royal highnesses, the Prince of Wales, the Duke of Cambridge, the Princess Royal, the Earl of Wessex, Princess Beatrice, Princess Eugenie. There's a whole slew of interviews going on right there. Also, Her Royal Highness Princess Beatrice and Mr. Eduardo Mapelli-Mosi welcomed their daughter into the world at the beginning of this week. Yes, we have a royal baby. Uh, Both the mother and, and the baby are doing just fine. We don't know the name of the little girl just yet, just that the do- the, the little daughter's healthy, Princess Beatrice is healthy, and the family seems to be doing just fine. And so congratulations to them and to uh, Beatrice and Eduardo. Good for them. Congratulations. But now to abruptly change gears, if you've made it this far, Today, on the day of recording, September 23rd, a new trailer for Spencer came out. And Spencer is the film starring Kristen Stewart that takes place over uh, Christmas in 1991, I believe is when it's supposed to be happening. Yes, 1991. And it's Diana's last Christmas with the Royals. And we had a little teaser trailer that was about a minute long that was just vignettes of just, oh my goodness, look at this film. But now we have about a minute and a half longer trailer that got released today and it looks good looks well shot costumes look great especially it looks a lot of inspired by costumes uh a few replications here and there but a lot of inspired by oh diana wore something similar okay let's do this it looks very good i'm gonna watch it and i'll have a full review when it comes out but i'm still a little apprehensive and i'm gonna tell you why So the main scope of this film, at least that we're told about, is that this is Diana's breaking point. She breaks down and she finally has her moment of, I can't do this anymore. I need to do things for me and I need out. And that's when in 1992, the next year, is officially when they have their separation and she really doesn't come back for holidays too frequently. Um, But we see interactions with Prince Charles, the Queen, 
the they know everything no they don't you know diana there needs to be two of you one in private and the one they photograph i don't want to discount any of the anybody's job here the sets look great, especially whatever house they filmed in you know looks fantastic good for them actors look like they did a great job set design costuming you know hair makeup it looks like everybody's done done a great job but i'm a little apprehensive because it I feel like it has the ability to be the, oh, let's feel sorry for her, let's feel sorry for her, let's feel sorry for her, which, you know, she went through an awful situation. I don't want to take away from that, and I don't want to belittle that experience, but I'm 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 curious to see the storytelling part of it. What's, what's, what full story are they trying to tell? Yes, we know the general plot. Okay, she has her moment of breakdown and leaves, but how do we get there? How... How do they handle the storytelling? That's that's one thing I'm curious about is the actual storytelling and pre- presentation of it all. I'm going to give it a fair chance. Uh, Kristen Stewart's accent seems to be moderately accurate. It was at least consistent in the trailer, but that could have been the work of the editor. Um, it seems to be that they're taking a page out of the crown where they're not c- too concerned on likeness. You know, put them in the clothes, put them in the wig, give them a few mannerism and accent coaches and, you know, throw them out into the trenches and boom, we have our Diana, boom, we have our Charles. They don't necessarily look too much alike. They seem to be taking that page out of the crown. But it's, again, I'm I'm curious. I'm excited. It looks to be a great film. I hope it's more of a, you know, empowerment. You know, she, look at how great she was for leaving a bad situation type of scope, not a feel bad for her type of scope. I don't quite know. It looks to be good. People are saying that this would be Kristen Stewart's way to get an Oscar nod, at least an, at least a nomination. I don't know. Um, but typically, if you play a royal in a film, you at least get an Oscar nod. So she might be getting a nomination. Most of the cast probably will. Um, but those are my thoughts. It looks great. It looks good. The music in the trailer is ironic. It talks about a perfect day, and it seems like that time is anything but perfect. I'm I'm gonna give Kristen Stewart a chance. I'm gonna give this movie a fair chance, but I'm I'm a little apprehensive because The Crown. I see. I feel myself comparing it to The Crown, and I know that's not fair to this. That we haven't seen it yet, but The Crown does such a good job of showing, you know, this toxic negative situation, especially towards the end of season four. This toxic negative situation, and she doesn't know what she's doing, and she's losing herself to then finally finding herself. It, it that arc is a little bit more concrete and it feels very empowering to diana and to in my opinion and this i don't i don't know i don't know there's lots of running we see her run out we see her run around a lot um but that's what those are just my thoughts um also there's uh, uh <laughs> this week too the trailer for diana the musical the pro shot done uh, right before covid is being released on netflix uh, very soon, and I stand by it. I'm gonna give it. A, I'm, I'm. I stand by this. I'll give it a shot. I will watch it. But in my opinion, some things should not be made into musicals. Some things of history should not be made into musicals. Much like some things shouldn't be made into operas. Myself being a classically trained musician, that's why some things just we didn't need that. But I digress. But those are my thoughts and reviews of the. Spencer film trailer, trailer's beautiful, kudos to the editor, kudos to the sound design, kudos to everybody involved in the project, it looks beautiful, a little apprehensive, but I'll walk in and give it a fair chance, much like Diana the Musical, apprehensive, 
looks like everybody does a great job, but I'm apprehensive about it. But let me know on Twitter what you think. Have you seen both of these trailers? What are your thoughts about it? Are you excited to see them just as much as I am? Do you share similar apprehensions about these projects? Let me know. I'd really love to see and interact with all of you on Twitter. But there we go. That's that's today's episode. Uh, kind of a little hodgepodge, but something serious to talk about. Royals and media. The media's relationship with the royals right now isn't the best. Uh, and especially with projects such as this, very Princess Diana-centered, when that's the treatment of Diana was not the best... It's still, the the Royals right now are in a negative light. They're very much in the downswing. And who knows if they'll have an upswing? Who knows if the media will show them positively? Who knows? But that's what's happening right now, both in media and this fascination that we have with the Royals. But let me know. Sound off on social media. Do you feel the same way? Do you notice the same things about yourself and your obsession with, with with the Royals? Let me know. I feel like this relationship with the press will remain complex and dirty and not fun for years and years to come. My sources for today's podcast are BBC.com, Newsweek, MetaFact on, on, on TikTok, the BBC, The Guardian, Mary Claire, and the YouTube channel Terra Monkey. If you made it this far, thank you for stopping by the podcast today. If you would like to recommend topics for future episodes or let me know how I'm doing so I can improve the podcast, drop me a line over at BritishRoyalFanPod at gmail.com. Any and all suggestions are welcome, and I look forward to them. If you want to stay up to date on the podcast and events happening within the royal family, head over to Twitter and follow me at Fanatic underscore Royal, or search the podcast by name, British Royal Fanatic Podcast, and find me um, from there. I do my best to post regularly and interact with all of you as best I can. If you want to donate to the podcast to help support it, there are links on Anchor and on the Twitter homepage. There's a PayPal link for a one-time donation or a link on Anchor to do monthly donations. If you feel so inclined to donate and help the podcast, I greatly appreciate it. You'll get shout-outs and your own perks in those packages. I am a one-man show here. So any and all help is greatly appreciated. Head over to Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and more to rate, review, subscribe, and share. The more you do that, the more people can see the show, and the more people can join the podcast family. Have a great week, everyone. Stay safe and stay healthy, and I'll see you in the next one.